How's everyone doing today? Fantastic. Slightly above average. Blessed. I'll, I'll take that one. Um, I'm just uh, very honored to get a chance to, to stand before you again and, and get a chance to share, um, hopefully, some things that will benefit you, hopefully, some things that you can relate with. Um, but, uh, yeah, so hopefully, uh, I just untied my shoe, but I'll, I'll worry about it later. Um, so the hope of today in the message, the hope of the, I guess, anytime someone gets up to speak is that, um, what we talk about, my dad is going to tie my shoe while I'm speaking. This is not my goodness. (laughs) We can just end the service right now. I mean, that's a message in itself, I guess. Um, I, the hope and the goal when, whenever someone gets up here and, and sharing specifically about God's word is that um, the things we talk about here and the things that we um, go over and discuss would not be things that merely occupy our thoughts for 30 minutes or um, not just be things that we uh, think about and then just kind of let them go by the wayside. But the hope and the purpose when we gather here and we get around the word of God is that um, the things we talk about would bear fruit in our life and that we could say, at the end of this, I mean, the hope and the goal is that you could take one kernel of truth, one nugget, one seed, whatever you want to call it, and you could say, God, I need that to be more evident in my life. I need that to be more um, effective. I need that to be seen um, in my family and where my coworkers see it, where it just be more uh, evident. So that's the goal. That's the hope. Um, it's a lofty goal, and it's a high hope, but if, it's, if that's not the purpose when we come here and get around that, then... I don't know about you, but the Niners are playing today, and there's a lot of other things that we could be doing with our time. Um, I'd like to see 9-1, and one, but um, we're going to pray for that later. No, um, so we hope that this changes us. And so really it's where we, you know, with our will submitted to God, partner with his grace that, you know, we believe the Holy Spirit develops things um, in our life. Uh, today's topic is going to be that of evangelism. Um, that of what it means to be a witness, you know, what it means to share what Christ has done and what um, Jesus has done in our life, what we've seen and experienced in Christ. And so we're going to talk about that, I'll hopefully touch on some of maybe the limitations um, or some of maybe some roadblocks that happen in our life where we, we don't share. Um, maybe our, our love for God has grown cold. Maybe the passion has, has um, waned a little bit, but, you know, how can we deal with that? A disclaimer. Um, I'm not, uh, evangelism something I struggle with. Um, it's not easy for me to have conversations about uh, the gospel of Christ, not because I'm ashamed of it, because usually those kind of conversations are um, at a certain depth that maybe you're not have, used to talking to people. Um, and you used to have, it's, it's a vulnerable thing to be open about uh, faith. And even if our faith is supposed to be a public thing, it is a very, a very personal thing. So um, this message is, I'm speaking it to myself. I'll listen to the tape afterwards. Um, I need to hear it as much as, as hopefully some other people in this room need to hear it. Um, also, I want to say, um, just kind of let you guys off the hook. If you're distracted or if you're unable to focus in the next 30 minutes, I'm not going to blame you. Um, I'm not going to take it personally. I know the holiday seasons are upon us, and uh, four very short days, many of you are going into organized chaos, and you guys are going to be with your family, and you have a lot of crazy things that you have to be doing, so it's going to be easy to think about that. Many of you have groceries to buy, houses to clean, kids to get in control of, and, and families to host. So hopefully, though, you can say, God, I just want to take these next 20 and 30 minutes and just say something to me. You know, take, take one thing and that, that he would work in, in our lives. If you have your Bible, if you mind turning to 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, 
Um, I just want to say, not the Gospel of John, which we have been in, and we will actually be in later in the message, which Norm jokingly said, well, you're not talking about John, are you? We are talking about John. You're always with me. Um, no, uh, so John, 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Now, if you don't have a Bible, feel free to ask your neighbor, but do ask. If you just start leaning, it might come across as kind of creepy. So you might want to just kind of look over. And yeah, first, first John chapter one, verses one through three, that which was from the beginning, he's talking about Jesus, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched this. We proclaim to you concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life was, which was with the father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Um, if you wouldn't mind underlining, if you're, if you're not opposed to underlining in your Bible, I know a lot of people like to keep their Bibles clean and, and perfect, but I've heard the saying, a dirty Bible is a clean Christian, and a clean Bible is a dirty Christian. So feel free to mark it up, do your worst. But if you mind uh, underline verse 3, we proclaim to you that which we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Um, God, we just ask you to come today, God. We just pray that um, you would do a work in our hearts and you would change us and make us aware of God, of just the field you want to reach, God. Um, I'm thankful that when it says two or three are gathered in your name that you're here, God. So I just pray that we, we would recognize your presence and we would allow it um, to change our lives, God. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So um, many of you, maybe not many of you, I'd imagine that some of you, when I mentioned the word evangelism, um, got uncomfortable and mentioned the word evangelism, maybe let out a verbal sigh, maybe shifted around in your seat. Because if you've been a Christian for very long, it can quickly become a very polarizing subject. It can quickly become something that when someone says, hey, we're going to talk about evangelism, you kind of check out because you know the punchline. You know, let me guess. We're supposed to be telling people about Jesus, right? It can kind of be almost be like tithing. We're like, uh-oh, someone's talking about tithing. Guess what's going to be asked? I mean, it can become one of these things that we just automatically shut off um, what's going to be said. And hopefully that is not the case for you today. But um, evangelism is, is one of those polarizing subjects. I'd say it's one of the least favorite topics in the church, not because we don't agree God um, calls us to do it, not because we uh, disagree with that. It's important in the life of a Christian, but it's something that's very difficult to do. And I think if you've been a Christian for very long, as a way of kind of maybe removing some of that pressure or relieving some of that guilt of maybe not sharing, it's easy to kind of associate evangelism with a personality type or a temperament rather than saying we're all called to be evangelized or we're all called to tell people and share our faith. And so without knowing, we can kind of say, you know what? It's uncomfortable for me to do. I'm not very good at it. Let's just let those type A personalities do it. The ones who go get them, they're, they're outgoing, they're extroverts. They, you know, the, the sales-oriented people, let them go evangelize and share the gospel. And you know what? If you find yourself more in a type B personality, a little bit more laid back, a little bit more reserved, a little bit more casual, you can kind of say, they can do the evangelizing and the type B people can do the pastoring because they have a little more patience, right? No, um, that is, and without even knowing, we have kind of relegated evangelism to a whole um, to only a specific temperament and personality, and we kind of relieve um, a pressure that God definitely, not a pressure, but God definitely calls us to be um, people who share the gospel, and we share it in a lot of different ways. And again, he's not limited to merely a personality trait or temperament. 
Actually, when I look in the word of Bible, the word of Bible, the word of God, I don't see that he limits um, his kingdom work to only a, a personality trait or a temperament. Um, the only deciding factor is if someone's obedient um, to what God has called them to do. So can, just for the sake of argument, let's just establish that all of us play a part in sharing the gospel with people. All of us play a part in, in telling um, and witnessing to what Jesus has done in our lives. Amen. Um, I should probably flip the page. Um, so what are some ways that we witness? I mean, it's, it's probably been talked about a lot, and it's probably, again, something we know. But uh, we witness with our words. We, we witness, many people know that we witness by sharing the gospel, literally sharing. This is what Jesus has done in my life. This is the word of truth. This is Jesus Christ came. Um, I'm justified in him when God sees me. Um, he doesn't see my sin. He sees the finished work on the cross. All these great things. That is sharing or witnessing with our words. We also share and witness with our actions. Um, living the life. We're living, um, if we're testifying something, actually our life um, testifying to that also. I mean, um, and, and the thing that happens or the, uh, a problem that can occur is when we emphasize one uh, and and ignore the other. And so when we emphasize merely um, speaking words and communicating the gospel, but yet our lives do not communicate or witness to that truth, we end up, I mean, we're hypocrites. I mean, all of us are relatively hypocrites. I mean, let's be honest. We all, we all struggle. We all struggle with what, what we do and what we say to be one. But, um, when we emphasize merely our words and not our action, we end up telling people that Jesus, this is what Jesus does for life, and really he hasn't done that in our life. But when we also, when we, when we communicate, or when we only focus on action, we only focus on telling people about the gospel with action, we, we end up just being glorified humanitarians who do so much for people's physical state but do nothing for their spiritual destiny. And so um, we, end up, we end up maybe doing good things for God but never things, um, but never telling people of who Jesus is. And I don't know about you, but I'm not um, saved by my works. I'm saved by the grace of God. And so when we teach people it's all about being good, it really points to a, a, a relation with God that's focused on us rather than what Jesus Christ has done in our life. And Watchman Nee said that when we're working in, um, when we're trying to be good people apart from what Jesus has done, it's like trying to pay a $100 debt with a $10 bill. It's just not going to happen. It's just no matter how good we do, it's not going to be enough. And so um, we can't emphasize merely action and not words, but they're both hand in hand. And even look at what Jesus did in his life. He met people's physical needs. He mirac miracles, providing food. He, he did things for their physical here and now situation. Um, and he also spoke truth and he preached and he gave them, um, he, he cared about their soul also. So we can just kind of model that. We can say, God, I want that to be my testimony. I want what I say and what I do to be in line with your truth and in the, and in, um, in line with your word. So, yeah. Um, so what is a witness? We should probably identify that first, because if we're supposed to be witnesses um, to what Jesus has done in our life, let's first talk about what is a witness. Is anyone familiar with law and order or anyone familiar with a courtroom drama? Uh, maybe some Perry Mason fans up in here. Um, but I'm sure over the course of your life, you've seen a, a legal drama, courtroom drama, and you have seen your fair share of um, true and authentic witnesses and false witnesses. So it, let's just talk about what a sincere and truthful witness is. A sincere and truthful witness is someone who communicates what they have seen and what they have experienced. 
what they've seen and what they've experienced. And obviously, by watching those shows, you know, you know what a false witness is. Someone who communicates um, that they have seen and witnessed something that they haven't. So it's interesting because we can be false. So how do we take that in a relation with God? What have we seen and experienced um, God doing in our life? What have we witnessed God doing in our life? What have we seen Jesus? Um, where have we seen Jesus work in our life? What have we experienced? Maybe God has been faithful to us in a way that, that we, um, we can't explain it. And we know that it was God working in that situation. But the thing is, um, to be a witness is we have to understand what we have seen and experienced in Christ. And a witness, a, a true witness, isn't required to be creative in their testimony. They aren't trying to have to make up something. Don't, they don't have to upsell it. They just have to merely communicate what they've seen and experienced. And that's good. That should take some pressure on us. We don't have to upsell Jesus. This is not late night television. We can say, you know, if you accept now, you'll get it for two easy payments of 1999. We don't have to do that. We can just merely say, oh, you know what? Jesus Christ did something in my life, and this is what I've witnessed. This is what I have seen and experienced. The crazy thing is, is that we can be false witnesses without ever spreading heresy or without ever spreading wrong belief. I, used to, I think I assume that false witness is someone who lies or someone who communicates something that's maybe doctrinally not okay. So like someone who says the Trinity doesn't exist, whoa, red flag, false witness, right? But a false witness can be someone who merely communicates something that they've seen and experienced, even though they haven't seen and experienced in their life. I'll give you an example. Let's say there's someone who says, you know what, when I meet, and they're trying to witness, right? So they're telling people, they're telling their coworkers, they're telling their family members, uh, when, I, when I met Jesus, he gave me peace. And so they communicate that to people. They say, you know what, Jesus gives me peace. And so the people around their coworkers, whether they like it or not, they know that this person, when they met Jesus, received peace. And that same person is known by their coworkers and by their family as someone who is anxious, someone who is full of worry and full of fear. And so here they are communicating that they have witnessed or that they have seen and experienced Christ do something in their life that's not actually bearing fruit in their life. So I, I don't know about you, but that, that, that should, that should, we don't have to be perfect to share our testimony. We don't have to be perfect to witness for Christ, but we should make sure that what we're witnessing and testifying about actually resonates in what, in our life. And the crazy thing is that same person can, they definitely still have a witness, but it may not be that one thing. They could say, you know what? I, I may not have it all together, or, you know, I may be a work in progress. Um, I'm not a finished product, but Jesus Christ came, and I know I'm made right with God. That, that, the gospel could be, the, that's the foundation, right? It shouldn't be pointing to what they have experienced or what they, sorry, what they have done. It should point to Jesus. So that person who maybe struggles with fear, maybe God is working in their life to develop um, trust and, and, and um, a trust on God, he can communicate or they can communicate that Jesus is faithful, that Jesus is um, faithful to save us from our sins. Um, part of a witness or part of being a witness is um, a remembering. We, we can't obviously um, communicate that we've seen and experienced something if we forget. Um, remembering is, is an important part. Um, and actually in Israel, in the Old Testament, um, there's several times where um, Israel either builds an altar or, you know, um, stacks stones as a array of remembering um, that God had been faithful to deliver them or faithful to work something um, out or faithful just to be with him, with them. And so I think a remembrance, if we can look at our life and say, um, what has God done? What have we experienced? 
and then witness to that. I think it's so, um, I don't know about you, but we're a very now generation. Our attentions don't last past the moment. Um, it's hard to remember what we ate last night, let alone what we're doing this morning, I guess. Maybe I'm just ADD. But it's difficult. And so if, how are we supposed to tell people that this is what Christ has done in our life if we can't remember what Christ has done in our life? So maybe even today, during this time, that you could say, God, what have you done? What have I forgotten? Um, what have I taken credit for that, that I should be giving a credit to you? Uh, I'll tell you personally, this is a struggle for me. I've been uh, in the church since I was born. I, um, I've been saved since I was five. And part of a, a thing that, that happens in my life is that I end up taking credit for things that God has definitely done in my life. And I end up saying it's because of my temperament or personality rather than the grace of God in my life. I mean, it's the grace of God that I have parents that, that walk out their faith. It's the grace of God that I was in a church that, um, where I got to hear about God. I mean, that alone is the grace of God. And here I take credit for that I'm just a, a naturally good person. Or I don't know, what have we taken credit for that God can take credit for in our life? Now, before I go on about remembering, just a little quick insert. Guys, what we're passionate about, we're going to share. What we, are, what we are passionate about, it is just going to flow out of us. I don't know about you, but if you stuck me in a room and you said talk about cars, I would last a good 35 seconds. I, I wouldn't have much to say. I wouldn't have really. I might throw in a, a, a date to make myself sound more uh, intelligent. I mean, that's 65. Some of them is, you know. I just don't know much about cars. It's, it's not a passion of mine. I, I like driving one, but besides that, that's as far as it goes. I know I put gas in it. After that, help me. Um, but if you stuck me in the room and said, talk about music, you better get a cup of coffee and use the restroom because we're going to be here a while. I don't know about you. Like, I would talk forever because I'm passionate about it, and it's just going to naturally flow out of my um, just flow out of me. And so is our relationship with God at a place where we are passionate for him that, man, you just want to talk about him. When you're passionate about something, you don't, people don't have to ask you to talk about it. You just talk about it. People actually want to shut you up usually when you end up talking about things that you're passionate about because you're just maybe saying too much. But where's our passion for God? And part of that obviously will come if we start remembering the things that he has done and that the God who was faithful 10 years ago in our, that past circumstance or that past time, we needed God to work a miracle. And he was faithful and he brought us through. He's the same one that is there when we're facing our current struggle and our current adversity. And so we got to remember that we got to, we got to raise our, um, in the old Testament says raise the Ebenezer, which means a stone of help that when, you know, you look at that, that you remember that God is a God who helped you. And so in our life, God, where has God helped us? What have we seen and experienced God doing in our life? And this is a reflective time for us because it can either point to something that maybe we haven't allowed God to work in us that maybe the way, way he wants to work. And maybe we haven't, um, allowed God to really do things that he wants to do in our life. And so it can be a period of, it, has God done anything? And if he hasn't done anything, maybe this is a time where you say, God, I need you. I need to see and experience you. I need to taste and see that the Lord is good. He, he, he likes that. Yes, he does. Um, uh, I'd like to take some pressure off you. Um, a lot of it is that we have to, you know, can, we can be easily driven in our witness. And, and um, we, I'd actually, you don't, you could turn your Bible to John 10. If you mind turning your Bible to John 10. I know this is a portion of scripture we haven't been in lately. John 10 is very unfamiliar to us. But let's, let's try to get something out of this. <laughs> Norm's pages are, the ink is running, I think, because of how much time we've been so we're going to be in John 10, um, 1 through 16. I'm not going to actually read a specific verse, but I definitely recommend reading it. Um, in John 10, 
we find out who the shepherd is, and we find out he is a shepherd that's leading us, he's guiding us, he's protecting us, he's faithful, um, he knows us by name, means he's intimately acquainted with us, and it's all these things that he's doing. It really gives you the characteristics of the shepherd. So he calls us, he, he leads us, he protects us, he provides for us, he's not going to leave us when bad things happen, he's not going to leave us in the midst of adversity. He's uh, the same God that's with you when the green pastures and the still waters is the one who's there in the valley of the shadow of death. And so he's communicating all these things that he does and is and just a part of, of the character of Jesus. And so he's communicating that. And so when you look at that passage, you can kind of be overwhelmed with all the things that God is doing. And then we can kind of start to look, what is our responsibility in the passage? What is our responsibility and our only responsibility? There's actually two, but one really leads into the other. Our only responsibility is to be familiar with who the shepherd is. And out of that familiarity, out of that spending time with him, then the trust will allow you to follow. So really, we have to be familiar and follow. But the crazy thing is, it talks about sheep not following strangers. They will never follow a stranger because it's just not in their nature. And if it says we're sheep, then let's try to think about in our nature. We're not going to follow someone we're unfamiliar with. So the crazy thing is, let's be honest. We are most familiar with our own wants and our desires and our plans, right? We're very familiar with those things. No one has to remind us to think about that. We, um, you're probably thinking about yourself right now. Um, it's just a part of our natural kind of instinct is to think about ourselves. And so here we are sheep familiar with our ways, um, familiar with our plans and our desires. And yet Jesus is saying, the only way you're going to follow me is if you're familiar with me, but here's the thing that happens. We end up following Jesus before we're ever familiar with him. So we end up following someone who we're not really going to trust into the part when bad things happen, or we're not going to trust to the point where crazy stuff happens. Maybe he stops giving you the warm and fuzzies. Maybe he just, you know, tough times happen, and you have to really trust and believe God's going to do something. So what happens when we try to follow someone we're not familiar with? We follow Jesus to the point of our comfort, but never to the point of his peace, never to the point where it's about um, him and not about us. So if we could just get one thing out of it, that this scripture talks so much to what God is doing, And there's only two things. There's only one thing we need to do. Get familiar with who Jesus is. And some ways that we can get familiar with who Jesus is, scripture, the word of God, getting into the word of God, spending time with him, praying, getting around the community, getting around small community of believers, um, small groups. I mean, talk to your pastors. I mean, there's different ways, but get familiar with who Jesus is. And once you're familiar with him, once you notice that, um, that he is, Uh, You start to know his character. You start to know who he is. You start to know how he acts. I don't know any of you who have friends that you've been uh, friends with for a long time or you have spouses that you've been, but you can kind of uh, know what they're thinking. You kind of know what they're going to do. You kind of know their character and you kind of, you rely on that sometimes. And here we are. How are we supposed to follow someone we're not familiar with? It's just, it's not going to, it's not going to happen. We'll end up living these these cycles of spirituality where we think we're walking in God, but we're really just walking in our own comfort zone and, and not really actually getting familiar with him. So be familiar with him. That's our only responsibility. That should relieve some pressure from us to have to do it all ourselves or feel like we have to um, live this driven life or this, you know, I have to go, I have to do this. I have no, just, I just got to get familiar with Jesus. And, and then when he get familiar with him, he's going to lead you. He, that, it's funny. He tells you right off the bat what he is going to do. He'll do the leading. He'll do the guiding. He'll do the protecting. All we have to do is get familiar with him. Uh, that's, that's an easy yoke. I don't know about you. It talks about Matthew 11. Is, you know, if you're a heavy burdened, come to me. Just come to me. That's, that's our responsibility. 
You guys awake? It's good. Okay. 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 You're reading. Awesome. 1 through 16. No, um, um, if you also mind going to Matthew 12, 30, I just want to end in this. Matthew 12, 30. Before I read this, um, the truth of the fact is that we are witnesses and we are evangelizing and sharing the gospel 24-7. Whether we ever speak a, a word about Christ or whether we ever hand out a track, our lives are communicating something about what we believe and what we value. And um, in that same way, what is it? Communication is 80% nonverbal. I mean, that's a lot of communication without actually opening your mouth. Our lives are a lot of the communicating, uh, communicating, they communicate a lot about what we believe and what what we actually um, prioritize and value in our life. A quick tangent, um, the difference between value and prioritizing, you may value um, tithing, but you might not prioritize it. You may say, that's a principle that I need, but it's not functioning in your life. And so uh, we need to get from a point from valuing to prioritizing that our lives would reflect God that our lives would reflect the finished work of Jesus Christ and that we would witness to that fact. But okay, in Matthew 12, 30, here Jesus says, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not, scatter, he does not gather with me scatters. Um, one, one commentary says there's really new, no neutral zone. You're either with them or, or against them. But then after that, when you actually say, Jesus, I want you to be my life, are you familiar with him? Are you, are you actually saying, God, how can I go about your work? How can I be used by you. And in that respect, are you gathering with him or are you scattering? And there's this point that in our life where we're either actually um, making the gospel more attractive to people and we're actually saying people look into our lives and they see that there's something different. Again, they may not see that it's perfect, but they see that there's something different, that there is, um, there may not be happiness, but there's joy. There may not be, you know, um, you may not have it all together, but there is something um, that's empowering you. That's witnessing. And so the question is, is your life something that attracts people that is um, God uses as a way of bringing people closer to the revelation of who Jesus is? Or is it something that's scattering, something that's saying, when I look at your life, I don't want the gospel. And that's a crazy place to be that our lives would so testify to something that our lives would say, um, no, I don't want grace and forgiveness and peace. No, thank you. How how have we misrepresented um, what the gospel is supposed to be in our lives? In the key verse that we read um, in the beginning, in, in 1 John 1, chapter 1, verses 3, we proclaim to you that which we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship. Here he is saying, we're going to tell you what we've seen and heard. We're not going to tell you anything else. And even in, before that, in 1 Peter, he talks about, I, I'm not going to follow a cleverly invented story. I'm just going to tell you what, how, what I've seen and what I've experienced. What have you seen and experienced um, God doing in your life? And if you've seen the experience, maybe you need to remember. Maybe you need to think about God. Where, where, um, how would you want to use me? How would you want me to speak that? Um, and going back into John, sorry, I'm jumping over. There's like three different spots. Um, being familiar with the shepherd to the point where um, we start to know that, oh man, is his, uh, the, sorry, I forgot to tell you a major characteristic about what um, Jesus is in, in, first, in John chapter 10. Um, it says that Jesus is looking to add sheep to his flock, that there are sheep that are not in the pen yet that he longs to bring in. And so is the fact, are we going to be used in that process? Are we going to be um, people who are so familiar with the shepherd that we're like, oh, oh, Jesus, yeah, you're wanting that person. Okay, how can I, 
How can I be obedient to your voice? How can I be even attentive to your voice? It's really easy to live lives that are so us focused and evangelize to the world that it's about us and not about it's the Christ, not about Jesus finished work on the Christ, um, Christ and the, on the cross. And, uh, so that's, that's, that's the gist of the message today is that what have we been a witness to? What have we seen and experienced? If we could actually have the worship team come up, um, Um, so today, just during worship, if you could be asking yourselves, God, um, I, need, I need to have a witness that has seen and experienced something. I need to communicate what I've seen and experienced. And if it's nothing, then ask God to, to show himself to you. He's going to be faithful to do that. Um, but if it's just a matter of remembering, then, then remember and then say, God, let me just get familiar with who you. Let me just get familiar with who you are. And out of that, there's going to be opportunities. Uh, there's going to be opportunities to share. And there's going to be opportunities to, to tell people about what God's doing in your life. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to enter in a time of worship. Um, God, I just pray that you would uh, um, work on our lives, God, that we'd be obedient to, to your voice, and um, that we'd also um, be witnesses, God, to a world that desperately needs you. Uh, they don't need a, a false advertising. They don't need um, us to upsell you, God, but they just need you. So I pray that you would be more evident in our life, God, that the Holy Spirit would, um, God, change us, Lord. So I just pray that you would, that we'd be obedient to your calling and what you lead us to do in this, in this next week, God, and living that out, God, even if we're among our, among our um, family and friends, God, that just, I just pray that you'd be on our mind, God. If we don't know you, let us, let us know you, God. And we just pray, God, for you to do the work in your name. Amen.